not just another sound effect. It's the sound of your life changing. Old phones are out. The Samsung Galaxy Z Flip 3 5G is in. The headlines and your hands. It's statement-making, trend-setting, world-unfolding. Feed your feed with hands-free selfies, group shots, and videos. Flex for your followers with a look that gets looks and show everyone how to live this life. Get the new Galaxy Z Flip 3 5G at Samsung.com. 5G connection and availability may vary. Check with Carrier. We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row. Proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network. Verizon. Best and most reliable based on root metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined. Not specific to 5G networks. Hi, this is Marlene with Miami Ghost Chronicles and I want to welcome you to another episode of Stories of the Supernatural. Wherever you find us, whether it's a video on YouTube or on your favorite podcast platform, please like and subscribe to us so that you can get notification of when a new show is released. You can also find us on major social media platforms where I give you a heads up about upcoming shows and which date and time they will be aired. If you go to MiamiGhostChronicles.com, you can find links to the shows, MP3 files which you can download, or links to your favorite platform like iTunes, Spreaker, SoundCloud, and all other major sources. You can find information for upcoming and past talk show appearances as well as new book projects at MarlenePardo.com. You can also purchase books and merchandise there, and you can visit my author page on Amazon at Marlene Pardo Pelliser. Due to popular demand, I'm narrating my true believer stories that I've collected throughout the years in a new series called Supernatural Storytime. You can find links at SupernaturalStoryTime.com. If you are into classic horror, ghosts, and adventure stories, I narrate some of those at Nightshade Diary, and you can find links at NightshadeDiary.com. If you would like to read noteworthy news about the paranormal world, true crime, conspiracy stories, and anything that is just plain weird, you can visit the Stranger Than Fiction Stories tab at MiamiGhostChronicles.com. I do want to thank you all for being part of my audience, and I think you are all wonderful. Hi everybody, this is Marley with Miami Ghost Chronicles, Stories of the Supernatural. How's everybody doing? Good, I hope. Life here in South Florida, the same as ever. You can tell, you can hear my parrots, because over here right about now, the started going to sundown time, and as a matter of fact, I was speaking to the guests, which you guys are going to be very excited when I tell you who it is, about that when you have animals, especially birds, set up in sundown, that's their favorite time, that they act up and make a lot of noise, and you know, in other words, my timing is impeccable, and I mean, well, there's timing is impeccable, but anyway, you guys are used to it. Um, and I know for those of you who are asking me, how's my farm coming along? It's coming along, and um, I'm getting ringed out of doing a lot of yard work and lawn work, but at the same time, I have no choice, and then I'm writing a book, and then it's like, and I'm seeing basically uh, the grass grow like inches from morning to night, and I'm like, oh, what do I do? You know, like, how, how? yeah, it's, uh, but it's good. Like I said before, the rain is great. It's fantastic. My gardens have taken off. I've got a rose garden that's like exploding. Uh, you know, the, the, the trees back there, the saplings, they're taking off. Uh, 
It's like always, you know, the, 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 the good, that's the good part. The bad part is that everything that goes with it, a lot of grass and a lot of weeds and a lot of work. But anyway, guys, let's, let's get to the good part. The good part about this is who I have as a guest. And this is a lady by the name of Dr. Joy Pugh. Now, she received her doctorate from Nova University. And her background involves working as a researcher, a counselor, a mental retardation professional, human services director, and consultant. She's appeared in several television documentaries on the History Channel concerning end times. Uh, she's a member of the National Society of the Daughters of the American Revolution. And she is a descendant of Dr. John Taliaferro, who was a Minuteman who fought during the American Revolution. She had a supernatural dream at age six about the end of times. And you know that we're going to ask her about that. And uh, her 40 years of research into that dream allowed her to tell the world what is about to happen in our generation. Most importantly, for about 40 years now, she's been involved in researching biblical prophecies. Uh, she also consulted people from around the world on various issues and current events involving science and religion. She serves as a consultant in education with MUFON regarding the spiritual and religious aspects of paranormal and UFO experiences. She's written several books. Uh, uh, the first edition of Antichrist, the cloned image of Jesus Christ was a top 10 bestseller from 2008, 9, and 10. And Eden, the Knowledge of Good and Evil 666 is a bestseller. And the second edition was issued uh, back in uh, July of 2017. We're going to repeat this information at the end as far as her website, but if you want to visit her website, it's going to be www.drjoy.com. That's J-O-Y-E as far as how you spell joy. But anyway, help me to welcome her today to what I promise is going to be a super interesting interview. How are you doing today, Dr. Joy? Oh, I'm doing fine, and I'm so glad and so thankful to be on your show today to talk about the research that I've been doing for a very, very long time. No, it's my pleasure. Um, and as I mentioned before, one of the things I wanted to ask you about, which is mentioned in your uh, biography, is uh, that you had an experience when you were six years old. What, what, what was that experience? Well, what I had was uh, what I really believe was just a dream. A lot of people have asked me if it was a vision or if it was a waking dream or that kind of thing. But I went to sleep as a, a, just a little six-year-old girl mm -hmm. on a farm in a little South Georgia closed my eyes and I woke up into this dream that was absolutely amazing and it was one of those things at the time it was quite terrifying because it was something that as a little child of six years old that I had never seen anything like that on TV because growing up in the south we had one TV channel and, and most of the things that I watched every day were simple things like maybe Three Stooges and uh, fun things, maybe some Disney kind of things, that kind of stuff was on TV, but nothing where you would think about uh, the Battle of Armageddon, anything like that. But what I saw when I was in this dream was a very vast valley, and it had been actually destroyed, completely destroyed, and I could just see for miles and miles and miles, and the type of destruction was absolutely un unreal, unreal for me because I'd never seen anything quite like that or have ever seen anything like that, even in the movies today doesn't really bring justice to what some of the, the, the way the sky and the way everything looked. The, the thing that I mentioned most when I talk about this is the fact that there was such, such silence 
and uh, and that deafening silence of nothingness wow. that was absolutely bone-chilling. And, you know, to feel at that point that I'm standing there looking at this and, and realizing that, and also thinking that maybe I'm the last person on Earth and then I'm seeing something wow. that's happened and everybody's gone. So you can imagine what that really felt like. Yes, for a six-year-old, a six-year-old that must have been a terrifying dream. And they're looking at this. It, it was very terrifying. And so what happened was because I was so, and I was just awed by what I was looking at. And, you know, when you kind of go like your mouth was dropped open and you're just kind of staring because you can't believe what you're looking at. And then you realize that you don't hear anything, that it's like this deafening silence. And then all of a sudden you have this fear and I compared to somebody, I said, if you've ever been lost as a child and you can't find your parents and how afraid you are yes. because you think you're alone, it was that kind of feeling that I had. And so immediately I turned and kind of started looking around me like, you know, I'm really the last person left. And I pulled a little heart. I remember how it was pounding like crazy. And I saw this um, kind of wall that was kind of jagged. It was actually kind of behind me. It was still just a piece of it was standing. And so I thought, well, I'm going to, you know, run around that like a kid, and you thinking that somebody would get protection because nothing else is left. I mean, it's just completely denied, it's annihilated. Right. So I went to go to that little jagged off piece of big blocked wall that I can only describe as being kind of a megalithic stone structure. Of course, I didn't know that at the time because the only thing I'd ever seen in South Georgia is little, you know, bricks that we made out of, you know, um, cement that were like cement bricks. So this huge wall was there, and it was all broken kind of off to one side. And when I went around the side of it, I saw this man standing there looking out over it. And he was had this, you know, he was kind of like he was like sad, and, the, and he was looking like, you know, this, there was a sadness. And, of course, I was so glad to see somebody. I mean, you can imagine feeling so afraid and so alone, and then all of a sudden you see something that you believe, oh, my gosh, I'm not the last person. I mean, it just gives me right. so much to think about it. And he turned to look at me and he was kind of larger than life because I was in that dream I was a small child and I was looking up at him and uh, when he turned and looked back at me his eyes were as blue as blue 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 and he was wearing this white looking uh, robe looking thing with this kind of belt around him kind of a sash thing that looked kind of gold looking and I literally it was got going from the worst nightmare you've ever had in your entire being to feeling totally loved, like you were encapsulated with this loving, everything's going to be okay thing. And I remember him looking down at me and going, you know, I'm going to be with you. Uh, do not fear. I'm with you always. And immediately, bam, I woke up. And, of course, I'd come straight up out of the bed. If right. you've ever been in a dream that you thought was really real yes. and you thought it was really happening, you know, when you finally come up and you wake up, you're looking around and you're going, <gasps> and yeah. your heart's kind of like pounding whatever. So it was it was so significant that I got up out of the bed and went down the hall to my grandmother's room and woke her up. You know, I'm telling her, I called, Mommy, 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 wake up, wake up. I said, you know, we've got to go to the church, got to go to the church. And I wanted to go to the church right then. I, I felt wow. like that, you know, what was this going to happen? It was very intense and was close and it was going to happen and I needed to go to the church and I needed to get everything right, that, you know, that everything needed to be right in my life. I mean, six years old, the mind process of, trying to put all this together, that something terrible was going to happen. Because at that point in time, I didn't know about the end of days and about that, you know, something could be destroyed like that or right. anything. Yes. But I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that what I had seen, because I had been in church, you know, from the time I was like, uh, I guess, my first first week 
uh, out of the hospital, I was in church. My, my grandparents took me to church that first week. So I'd always gone to church every, every week. And I had, you know, uh, a grandmother who was a Sunday school teacher, and I had another grandmother who was a Sunday school teacher and a pianist. So I was exposed to the Bible, and I right. was exposed to going to Sunday school and church and that kind of thing. But again, back in those days, you didn't have a lot of people talking about the book of Revelation because mm-hmm. most, most people thought it was something they couldn't understand. Right. But the fact that I knew that this man standing in front of me was Jesus, it was like I just knew it. It wasn't like I had to think about it or I had to ponder it or anything like that. I just knew it was him. It was just okay. like, I know who this is. So, you know, it set me on a course. Uh, and, of course, when I, my grandmother tried to comfort me and tried to encourage me to just be a little kid and just go out to sleep and everything be better. But she went back and laid in the bed with me. That didn't really satisfy me. After, you know, we got up and ate breakfast in a little while, uh, I was still, I need to go to the church, whatever. But she was of the mindset that most people were back in those days, that until you become 12 years of age and you have an understanding of accountability of sin and choosing whatever you need to have uh, a childlike mind and then until that becomes whatever then at that point in time join the church make a commitment uh, to be saved and that kind of stuff so what it did for me was I started asking a lot of questions in Sunday school to my pastor and stuff like that where they couldn't answer those questions and that led me to really start digging on my own and when I got about 13 years of age I was I felt old enough to really start reading the book of Revelation and then I one of the first books I read was the late great planet earth and that really kind of set me on the course of how Lindsay did because I felt like that book really got what I had seen Um, and I did wait I didn't you know I did not join the church at six years of age even though I wanted to I did join join the church and and become I'm safe Southern Baptist when I was 11 years old during revival but I did make that commitment really before I was I was 12 and and really I I feel like that even though I waited Mm-hmm. That wasn't the best thing I think I should have done. I, I think that now, and I always encourage people that if you've got a child that's of that age and they have that kind of drawing upon them that you need to be paying significant attention to. And, right. the, and the reason I say this is that uh, doing the research I've done now for all these years and, and really have come to understand that more than likely what I really saw was a glimpse of what the end of days is like and that it's a, it's an, it's a knowledge and like you can't even describe and it even still gives me chill bumps to think about how that all looked and having now studied things like what the valley of medigato looks like and what the temple mount looks like and things like that then it's like i've been able to see things now as i've gotten older in the research that i've done throughout all these years i now know that 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 what i saw and, and why it was this way and and how the bible has really opened up for me because I have had the experience that I had and it led me on a path now of over 40 you know 40 something years of doing research but really it started you know when I was six years of age and I'm 62 years old so if you really think about how long that pathway was to me to get to where I am now with a doctoral degree and an ability to do significant research and, and write a lot of books the intent has been to answer a lot of questions that I had that I didn't get answered. 
and and it and it made me push myself to the nth degree to try to find the answers and to try to find the truthful answers because I didn't want to fool myself. But I knew that there was something about all that and that I better be paying attention to it because it was not just one of those things that I could have dreamed. I just had never been exposed to something to allow me to dream. If you're going to dream things, it's because you have had some experience or you've been exposed to it or you've seen this before. But you don't typically dream things that you've never had an experience or any understanding about it. And that was the significant thing. And I think then as I got older as a child, then I would have dreams that came true. And I don't know uh, that really kind of solidified to pay attention to what I believed was I was being. um, For the ones finding new ways to ensure the job always gets done. For the ones wearing many hats. For the ones who are hands-on, even from far away. And the ones keeping business moving forward. We are Granger, Offering supplies and solutions for every industry. With 24-7 support and experienced staff at over 250 local branches. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network, Verizon. Best and most reliable based on Root Metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks. Given these, this information for significant reasons, there was a uh, there was a Sunday school teacher that had to have a surgical procedure. Everything thought he was ever going to be fine. Uh, I went to see him at the hospital with my grandmother. Thought everything was fine. Went home, went to sleep, and dreamed that he was going to die, and that something was significantly wrong. That there was something inside of him. I, you know, I saw this kind of gangrene-looking whatever, and okay. um, when you know, I woke up the next morning, and I was quite concerned about it. Didn't say anything, just kind of thought, well, that's just because I've been worried about the man. Very, very fine Christian man. And uh, maybe a week went by, and the next thing, we get a telephone call back in those days. We had little party lines and stuff like that, and somebody called. They rang and uh, said he was back in the hospital. And immediately I went to my grandmother, and I said, this is not good. And she said, she could tell I was quite, quite upset about it. And... Um, I told her, I said, I'm, I'm just afraid that he's going to die. And she goes, what? And so I began trying to explain to her about okay. the dream and that um, there was something going on with that. And so, sure enough, they had left a sponge inside of him, and it Ooh. turned gangrene, and he died. Oh, so what? I had seen that. And there's a couple, uh, yes, a couple other situations where, during the night, I would be dreaming about somebody. Uh, there's a man that lived down the road from us. And um, I went to sleep that night, thought the world of this man and woman. They were a lot older than, than I, were, I guess they were my grandma, grandparents' age, but they were older than my mom and dad. Mm-hmm. And I dreamed that um, Mr. John was going to have a heart attack that night. And sure enough, the next morning, I woke up, Mr. John's had a heart attack. He did. So there were things like that that happened right. to me that I started really realizing, pay attention to what you are dreaming. But then, of course, at the same time, as a child, it gets scary. Because then everything you dream 
you and we all have dreams where things happen or you dream something and it never happens and, right. and that happened as well but i would tell you that uh it bothered me right you were second guessing times, like guess, is this this their significance to the it, dream right so i found myself being very um instead of being um a normal child sometimes mm -hmm. i think i was more drawn inward because my mind was going 100 miles an hour where i didn't want to say anything and yes. and, and again i had situations where i i dreamed of things and it was very uh bad where it was uh, like a murder one time and and things like that that when i woke up i knew about it i knew that you know kind of what had happened and then when it was told i was like no that's not what happened and sure enough after a couple of years, it really came to be the way that I had dreamed it. So, you know, it caused me to have some anxiety about about dreams. But at the same time, I saw that there was a significant in it. Significant. It wasn't that I could really change it, but yet I could say there's something at work in this world in which we live that does allow you to have some kind of connection to something that's just not on the up, you know, in, in the physical only. I guess is what I'm trying yes. to say is that okay. it allowed me to see that there are spiritual things occurring all around us all the time. I had an incident while I was driving to um, town one day, and I went to pass the car. And when I went upside that car, I heard in my mind just as plain as somebody sitting in the seat next to me, "Joy, the front tire on that car is going to blow out." stop wow. and I immediately threw on the brakes the left tire blew out and caused that car to go across into the uh, the left side of the median there okay and across the road if I had been right there it was slammed it, into it you took me out it would come right into me and we would have gone we would have had a massive wreck right there at 60 or 70 miles an hour going down the highway so it's been things like that that have happened that I know, you know, I, it, I've had experiences where I have seen what I truly believe are unidentified flying objects. Okay. And, you know, it's not like uh, I have 20-20 vision. Mm -hmm. I do not take any medication. I, you know, my, my IQ is quite high. And I'm not doing this for um, fun or right. to brag about it or anything like that. It's just that I've seen these craft and they're quite unusual, they're unexplained. And that was one reason I became a, a consultant with MUFON years mm -hmm. ago Okay. because of the ones that I had seen. Now, does that mean that there are aliens from other planets? I don't think so. Does okay. it mean that there is something on this planet that's been here with us and is controlling a lot of the stuff that's happening here, I think a possibility. Okay. Because as I have done research, I've come to understand that the spiritual realm is very real. Okay. And that it has a play in our lives in such a way that if you're not willing to look at that, then you're not getting the whole picture. Yes. And I guess what really rings true is that when you talk about the Bible, and a lot of people, you know, they get uh, disenchanted with religion because they feel like sometimes it doesn't answer 
their particular questions or they go like I did many times and ask questions that couldn't be answered and so then they took and maybe went into a more um, atheistic or even agnostic kind of thought process because Mm -hmm. they couldn't find the answer. And I always felt that because of that that particular dream and that I felt that that was really Jesus there, then when I began reading the book of Revelation and I began to see the significance of what was happening and that there was a spiritual thing going on and the fact that so much of what um, we live every day is played out in biblical scripture. So many times we've been brought up to hear Bible stories and we never go back and read the Bible for ourselves. And that's what I decided to do. I'd heard everybody else's commentary. I'd heard everybody else's preaching. I'd heard everybody, you know, I've read all the little little stories just together. I wanted to sit down and just read it and kind of erase my mind and read it like word for word, verse by verse, and then chapter by chapter and, and really ponder it because what I believed was that if we have a creator that has said these things are going to happen, then he's given us a manual to know about it. And so as I sat down and started in the book of Genesis, I began to see that a lot of the things that I had thought were biblical or thought were scriptural mm-hmm. were, were not there. And so I began to just really, okay, let me get this in mind. And what I found out because I've read so much in my lifetime in a variety of different fields of study, which um, most people will find in my books. I mean, I have every really uh, field of study. I brought it together under one kind of umbrella to let you see that everything has a connection to it. We're all part of some great design. And what I've seen is that of all the paranormal books that I've read, and I've read a lot of paranormal books, right. the Bible itself is the most paranormal book that has ever been written. There is not another paranormal book that I think exceeds what is found within Scripture. And, and you know, we think about the paranormal, we think about the spiritual, mm-hmm. and we, we try to get, grasp it and understand it, and we hear, you know, we hear fleeting stories about what is the possibility that there are ghosts and that there are aliens and there, there are this and demons and, and this kind of stuff. Right. The old biblical scripture tells us there really is. And, okay. you know, when I think about a book like the Bible mentioning things about, I mean, for example, the witch of Endor, mm-hmm. when King Saul goes to the witch of Endor, he's asking questions about Samuel. The Bible says the witch of Endor was an oracle that literally conjured up Samuel. Okay, when we start talking about conjuring up spirits and oracles and medians and stuff like that, and chanting and all the things that people get into to involve themselves into the spiritual world, right. the Bible is not not telling us that's not real. The Bible is telling us it is very real. But yes. what you've got to be careful for is that when you engage in these particular activities, you are inviting that spiritual realm into you. And because you are in the flesh, 
and you yes. are made lower than the angels, that you are dealing with something that you really can't fight against. And that's why biblical scripture says that we fight not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers in higher places. And most times, if you uh, do a lot of research like I have, when you're involved with demonic possession or demonic oppression, demons are real. When Jesus was here, one of the first things he did was cast out demons from a person. Those demons talked to Jesus. He talked back to them. He allowed them to run into the swine. The swine went off the cliff and drowned themselves. So if we believe in biblical scripture, then we're understanding. Demons are here. They've been here. They talked to Jesus. They knew who Jesus was. They even said, oh, you have come before the time. They even knew that there was a time that he was coming, but that he was coming back again for restitution for what happened in the Garden of Eden in which he was going to change everything back in, in, at the end of days. So they were worried that that time had already come because no one knows the end of days, not even the angels in heaven. So because Lucifer was created as the second in command. I mean, we're talking about a creator who had no beginning and no end, and sometimes that's hard for us to wrap our minds around. But the fact is, he was. But when he created Lucifer, Lucifer became a created being. Yes, he was in an immortal state, but he was a created being. So the fact that he was, you would say, in charge of God's holy uh, host, and then he became so in, you know, engaged in himself with selfishness and pride and whatever, and wanting to be God, which was really stupid on his part because he was a created being. I mean, you're talking about something being created, something just being. I mean, you just figure out like what the Bible says in the end, who wins. We, we know who wins according to Scripture because God's got more going for him right. than the guy that something made. It would be like us creating something in a computer program, and we're the programmer. The computer can never beat us because we're the programmer. We made, exactly. We're making this happen. So the, the thing that's most important in the research that I've found and done and, and been involved with is to help people understand that the Bible is paranormal. The Bible is spiritual. The Bible is dealing with the spiritual realm. I mean, we had people like, for example, Peter. When he walked out of the boat toward Jesus, Peter was walking on the water only when Jesus, you know, he's looking at Jesus, and when the waves are just going up and down and Peter's walking right up, they're chewing. Only when Peter takes his eyes off of Jesus and focuses on, oh my gosh, you know, look around me here, this is not good, and, yes. and fears and doubts, does he start sinking? So yes. it's literally telling us that we, if we have the power to believe, believe mm-hmm. enough, Scripture says, if you have the power to believe as small as a seed of mustard, which is the smallest seed there is, a mustard seed, that you can literally say to the mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea. So it's telling us that we have a power of looking at something that appears to be, let's say, a mountain, that we do have with the right mindset that we could literally move that mountain. Now, we I've seen people and I know people that have done miraculous things. 
there's been cases where people got, you know, a child got ran over and a woman can literally pick a car up yes. with this, this, this human strength that's beyond question. Um, I had a, a schizophrenic uh, uh, case study that I did with a young man that um, literally when he became another entity, because I will always believe, according to my research, that schizophrenia really has to do with some demonic-type entities entering into uh, human flesh. Yes, and I've heard and, that theory quite um, often where... where... And when I, yeah, there's something there. The mm -hmm. voices change, the people become... T I mean, it's like whatever. And, yes. and because I worked so close with him, he would talk about hearing the voices in his head and then how he changed and he became whatever. But I literally saw a 120-pound man throw three jailers that were like six foot five, 250 pounds across mm -hmm. a jail. Okay, well now, you can't physically do that. Right. Something else is manifesting itself. So because I've seen into that realm in the physical like that and dealt with that and then had these um, dreams that I've had and then these things that I felt like God opened up a door or someone came and gave me a word and then it happened, there is something very um, magnificent that's going on all around us. And we're so busy being blindsided by what I believe Satan and the fallen angels. We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network, Verizon. Best and most reliable based on root metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks. We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by root metrics for the 16th time in a row. Proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network. Verizon. Best and most reliable based on root metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined. Not specific to 5G networks. Once he was cast out of heaven with 200 of his followers, um, or third, some people say 200, Others say a third of heaven because we don't really know the number, but there are different right. books like the book of Enoch, who will, it actually says the, I think, 200. But still, even a third of the angels was cast down to the earth with Lucifer. And we know that Lucifer being a immortal being is already in a fallen state now that he can never, he can never get restitution. When, when we were made in the garden, we were made to be uh, in, a, in a body that, that was not immortal. We were given a soul that is. Yes. So uh, thank goodness, because if we had been created totally immortal, like Satan was there in heaven, then none of us would ever get the chance to ever see paradise again. We would end up being all thrown into the, the pits of hell with, with, with Satan and his fallen angels. So thank goodness that we have the ability to, if we sin or we, we choose wrong or make the wrong choices, 
that we can have a Savior in Jesus Christ who blood really was redemptive for us on the cross of Calvary so that we can be saved. If that had not happened, then all of humanity would have been lost forever because if we had been in that immortal state, there could have never been a way to save us. Just like there was never there was never going to be a way for Satan and his fallen angels to ever be be saved. And so, you know, they've got a real issue with the creator. And so they're not happy that they are forever cast out, that they will, you know, one day be completely annihilated from the chance of being with, around, or understanding uh, of the Creator at the end of days. So um, they're after one thing. And I always tell people, a lot of people say, well, my possessions are so important Mm -hmm. to me, you know, my cars or my house or my children or my wife or whatever. All these things are very important. And I say, well, if you ask somebody, what is your greatest asset? That's the that's most times the you know the answer I'll get. Oh, it's, it's this, or I have bullion, or I have this, or whatever. Right. And I'm like, no, your greatest asset is your soul that lives within your body, and it's very, very, very real. It looks like you. It is who you are. And having done so many case studies of near death experience where people are outside of their bodies, right. they will tell you that their body is like this this shell down there that looks like them, but when they're above it or floating above it, like say that they've been operated on and things have gone bad or they've been in a terrible mm-hmm. car wreck, they literally float over that area and they can see their hands, they can see their body and their mind. They right. know they who have they their are. self-awareness, they even are. though the body is the the, the, the heart. I, I how would like what you said the the actual flesh, in other words, is totally separated yeah. from them. Yeah, you are you are totally out, and but yet you know that's what you look like down there. You understand, even if your head's been severed. I mean, I've had people who who've talked about near death experiences where their head was through the windshield and oh. it's bloody and and all this kind of stuff and they're above it looking at it they don't feel anything but yet they know that's them they know that's them and then when they're sucked down this tunnel and what they encounter and then when they're brought back how they're brought back down this tunnel and then right back into their body again the eyes open up and there's the pain but everything that they've seen or heard during the time that they are outside the body has really happened and i think that has given credibility a lot to near-death experiences is because when you say somebody has been clinically dead for 30 minutes, 45 minutes, or an hour, and they come back and they tell everything that happened inside, let's say, an operating room. Or even or, outside the operating room, which is a, the real a, kicker. A, yes. Right. And, you know, one of, the, one of the greatest ones was the little kid that had the doctor that was an atheist that, um, you know, he began telling that he had been outside the body and he had gone up to Jesus and whatever. And when the doctor didn't believe him, then he said, well, you know, there's a red tennis shoe on top of a hospital building. And the guy was so enamored by what the little kid was saying, trying to prove he was not right. He told, I guess, some of the guys to go up there and open up. And they had not been up on the rooftop, you know, except if they were with uh, in maintenance. He went up uh-huh. there and there was a red tennis shoe laying on top of a huge, like, like story after story after story hospital. Wow. So the chances of that happening... Yeah. Oh please! It's just right. Yeah, the odds are astronomical and, and that this child would know that. I find it most interesting that I've had many. Yeah, what? What? Um, then, and I find 
Now, I guess because I had such these dreams as children, when you're a child, you don't know anything. You're not scared to talk about it. You just kind of mm-hmm. tell it like it is. You don't feel like somebody's going to pick you up in the paddy wagon and take you off, you know, yeah, to right. 10, 13, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. So children are more, are, are more open about what they see and what they've heard and how it felt. They're very, and, and where adults are like, now that I do this research, I get a lot of people who will call me and say, oh, Dr. Joy, I really need to talk to you, but I just kind of need to talk to you by myself or alone. I just need for you to make sure you never tell anybody this, 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 yes. and this. And I've got a situation. And, and then what I hear, it's what I hear from others and others and others and others. And so when I get the story from them, I just go, well, you know, you're not alone. Oh, really? I'll say yes. I know. I, I think some of these people carry these stories around happened. their whole lifetime. Because they're afraid of getting ridiculed or uh, somebody's going to look at them. So I think that when they have just a person like yourself who's willing to listen to them without fear of they're going to get like a weird look, they're, I, I think some, and I think there's a lot of people that go to their graves and never tell anybody about some of these experiences that they've had. Well, see, that's, in fact, that, that was the discussion that I actually had last night with a very good friend of mine is that I believe that there are a lot of people who really do have these experiences, like you say, and take them to their graves. Mm-hmm. They're afraid, and they're so afraid about what somebody's going to think that they're crazy. Well, what that's done is it's allowed Satan to keep things quiet yes. so that nobody knows he's at work and that there are spiritual things going on around us. I know when I first started talking about the UFOs and people are like, well, you're a Christian. And I'm like, yes, I am. And I'm telling you what I saw. And I don't drink and I don't smoke and I never use drugs. And this is it. From a scientific yes. standpoint, this is what I, you know, I witnessed and I observed and, and all about that kind of stuff. So I, I am so thankful that I can be on a platform with my research that I can talk about anything and not feel like I'm going to get thrown out of the church or I'm going to get thrown right. out uh, as a college professor or somebody in an administrative position says she's wacko, put her out the door. You know, I don't yes. have that to worry about. So I can bring everything to the table, whether I want to talk about the UFO phenomena, spiritual, demonic activity, you know, ancient history, biogenetics, cloning, whatever is out there. I can freely discuss it and base it on biblical principles and say, please, people, go back and read the manual that our Creator gave us. And don't take this like, you know, that we're just in a world as a grain of sand. We have no rhyme or reason. Everything here is connected. And that's what my research shows is that we all have a connection to all this. It's not like you don't have a purpose. We, everyone, have been given a purpose. And I think it's most interesting now that science is catching up with the Bible. So many years, people kept the Bible over here and science over here. They kept saying, oh, the two will never be together. They'll never match. But I have been seeing since the days that I started doing my research is that science can literally prove what the Bible has been saying all the time. And that's exactly what is happening now is that science and technology are proving everything that biblical scripture has been telling us has been going on. It's no different than... You know, there was times that there were places in the Bible, like Nineveh and places like that, that they said, oh, those are fictitious, those cities never existed, those towns were not there, uh, that were there in biblical history. Well, now that we have got sonar and we've got all these ground capabilities and topographies and uh, visualizers, 
and, and, and we can look uh, at the topography, and then we've got people mm-hmm. who are schooled in archaeology and, um, and uh, geology and stuff like that, and they start digging. Well, guess what? Where, you know, years ago we were told these things were mythological and they were not really possible. We found those cities. Yeah, yeah, because once we've we're, 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 those no, satellites are it. far enough, so far out that when they look down, they can actually see, like you said, the topography indicates. Okay, there's something that we couldn't have done before. In other words, Not because right we there. were never, you know, That's that there's right, something uh, there. Until we were up in the air or had that capability, like a lot of the Mayan pyramids that exist all down, you know, in the Inca Peninsula and I mean mm-hmm. uh, Yucatan Peninsula and all that down through there. If you if you were just out in the forest, it looked like a it looked like a vast forest. But right. once they got up over all of that, then they could see the pyramid. Yes, yes. There's a lot of structures just, that, that have been buried. And then when they started clearing all that off, they yes. yes. So I mean, there's things under the water. I mean, until we we got the capability of getting into a submarine and having submarines that we could manually control and be able to have mm-hmm. cameras down in these areas. Now they're finding pyramids. And things under the water, yes. and you, you, then you get a grasp that okay, there's more to this, and it's like some of the research that's been done out in the Grand Canyon. Uh, I'll always believe that's from Noah's flood, and and the thing about it, where we've been told for years and years and years in biblical and in scriptural stuff that uh, you know this this flood happened and it covered the earth and whatever. Well, now that we have the capability of looking at all the ancient history books, have some kind of flood thing. Well, they always said, well, you know, what about the dinosaurs? Dinosaurs, the dinosaurs that we were told and we were based on, a lot of things were based on Darwinism Mm -hmm. and evolution, that kind of stuff. But we were told that the epochs of creation were based on these dinosaurs. They found they were thousands of years apart, you know, maybe even hundreds of thousands of years apart. Well, what's happened now in Colorado these bones have been found that are dinosaurs. Well, guess what? The epochs that we thought this one came and this epoch and this one came, they're all together. Really? So it's like, yes. And so now we're finding that when we're talking about the Earth may be billions of years old based mm-hmm. on the epochs of the dinosaurs, right. now if they're all together, <laughs> one yes. scrunched up place like that where they're finding them all, you can't have one that's was back in this epoch and then one for this epoch and they're all in the same level of sediment. Right, so, exactly, because usually you always is, think of, of, of all these, like you said, dinosaurs and, and men were millions of years apart. In other words, there was no crossover. That by the time right. men came on the scene, dinosaurs or reptiles or whatever were long gone. That's Right, it. and then, you know, the thing about Darwinism and, and that it really disproves all of that now that we understand the genetic code, we know that man has got 223 genes, and I talk about this in my work as well, that no other creature has. So now, mm-hmm. if we came from a monkey, then the genetic structure would have changed and mutated, but you don't get 223 genes right. out of that. And if you go back into the sediment and you find the mere cockroach yes. is, is, you know, really the probably the oldest one of the things that they've ever uncovered. It's never changed. Okay, if something is of that small nature and size, if something was changing and evolving, the smaller things, it would affect the greatest before it affected the bigger things. It's like if you go to spray a cockroach and you spray yourself, that cockroach is going to 
succumbs to the spray. And you got to keep spraying it, spraying it till it does something to you. Now it can it can change your DNA because you yes. breathe that are water during your skin, but it's not going to kill you at the same level that the spray that killed the cockroach. So what I'm trying to say is that with the change of evolution, you should have seen that change many times, and then the bigger right. things, the whatever. So you know, like I say, all of this. All of this study that started with me with this dream as a child, it's just manifested itself to expand and not be limiting that we just live in a, in a, you know, in a world where we're just grains of sand and we are born one day and we die the next and nothing really right. matters. Do you think what I've really well, come to understand is that this is really real and we are very much a part of it and we have a creator that's in charge of everything. Let and me ask you something, Dr. Joy. Do you think, like you were mentioning before, because you've consulted uh, for MUFON, you know, a lot of people that are into ufology or extraterrestrial, whatever, what you know, whether you think the UFO is man-made or from an extraterrestrial, I know there's people in there that are, you know, don't think it's an extraterrestrial, but something that's man-made, just, just secret, basically weapons. Um, do you see an overlap as far as spirituality and visitation from extraterrestrials or the UFO phenomena. Do you see an overlap yes, in those I, areas? The, the, well, there's, there's, several, there's several things that I think are going on. I do, I do believe that the UFO phenomena has been here since, uh, you know, since the Garden of Eden, that these things have been with us. It says, you know, in Genesis that the sons of God came upon the daughters of man and they produced these giant beings. And knowing that God created uh, Eve from the rib of Adam, which is the perfect DNA, that they could have never birthed giant children. In other words, if you've got perfect DNA coming from perfect DNA, then, then everything would have been in their image after their kind. And that's the way God created in the Genesis that everything had was seed after their kind. It would not have been a mutation. There not, would have not have been a giant. So because of that, uh, and, and the fact that we were told in Genesis that the sons of God came upon the daughters of man. And then I go into, you know, the research that I talk about, uh, the Epic of Gilgamesh, which mm -hmm. uh, is, was actually written on Sumerian cuneiform uh, text, right. which is clay cuneiform text, was talking about that these Anunnaki, the guys that came from the sky, uh, right. from the heavens, you know, came to earth. So it sounds like something was thrown out of heaven and came to earth. We're all, you know, we, I also discussed about the Sumerians and how they got their cultural and that kind of stuff was really from these strange, lizardy-looking creatures that were part men and part something else. Then you can go back and look into the archaeological designs and drawings right. over in, you know, in the area which was near Babylon, and, and we can unearth that stuff, and it looks like a being that has this serpent face. Yes. And he's got like wings, and he's got one side that looks like he's reptilian, and the other side looks like a man. So, mm -hmm. so that was giving us the indication that there was something here that was with us, but was not like us, that apparently had great technology and great understanding of the sciences. And, and of course, in my books, I trace back, you know, the sacred geometry, the alchemy, and all that stuff back right. to those areas of being, in, you know, infiltrated. So... If you look at that, the archaeological record specifically is showing us that there was something strange here. I mean, even some of the temples that are built over in India are round like UFOs. Right. And you can look at the Chinese history. Yes. Chinese history is the oldest known history. They talk 
about the paths of the dragons, that there was something in the air that was following these paths of the dragons. They called them dragons. Right. Uh, you can go back and look into the Mayan history where the, they said the feathered serpent came out of the sky and came down to earth, and all the Mayan pyramids are at a, uh, you know, uh, north and south, east and west, to the point that when there's an equinox or, or whatever, that the manifestation looks like there is a serpent going down the side of the pyramid. I mean, right. the way that the cloud, I mean, the way that the sun hits it looks like it's coming down, like there is a serpent coming out of the sky down to earth. So there's too many things that point to uh, the fact, even even in the Egyptian uh, pyramid, there are pictures of UFOs yes. uh, and hieroglyphics. Yes. And wow. then, you know, even uh, Leonardo da Vinci and some of his paintings back in the Middle Ages, he's got these little things in the sky floating around. Well, there was no such thing as airplanes or anything in the sky like that. So all of this has been manifesting all the time. Oh, no, no. I, I, like I've been personally been to Chichen Itza. In Mexico, you know, yes. the, the, and they yes. have a lot of figureheads of serpents, uh, like serpents. all over the place. <laughs> uh, that it's undeniable. And then you think, well, none of these cultures or civilizations supposedly had any contact with each other during the time that they were producing this type of, you know, statuary or you know what, whether they were glyphs right. or anything. So how did they all come up with their version of the same? thing a serpent for example or or dragon like if they had no contact that's right and the other thing that's most interesting and, and what i show in the megalithic chapter my megalithic structures is in uh, i talk about that in my book eden the, all these structures are huge and they're built on these ley lines or mm -hmm. what they call dragon nodes which is the path of dragon well they're on certain parallels that run around the earth and they're all located on those same parallels what are the right. chances but yet yes. Chinese history is telling us they were called the path of the dragon. It was something called telluric energy that you can see if you douse and you get over, you get an effect from it. That's how we find water. But every one of these megalithic buildings are built on those crossing points of those dragon, and they call them dragon nodes, the telluric yes. energy. So yes. I talk about that, and like you say, there had to be something going on in the skies. Even if you go down and you look in South America where the designs are on the on the ground, right? you know, there's big things of like monkeys and, and animals that are literally etched out on the ground for miles and miles and miles that if you're walking across there, you just see this, you know, like limestone or white looking stuff and it looks like it's just a line. But when you get above it, you can actually see the design of these yes, things. Yes, and, and, and so, I've heard that those Nazca lines, even now they've discovered more that's designs. That's the we had planes. Uh, where in other words, right. they had the, the ones that everybody knows about, but they've been discovering more and more. The thing is that they've, I guess they with time, of course, they become a little bit obliterated. But now they're discovering that there's a lot more designs out there than what they originally thought of. And you're thinking, okay, why would ancient people use their manpower, which by the way was necessary to produce food, whether it was hunting, gathering, uh, agriculture, you would pull your manpower off to do this work. To do that. Right. Why? And, and why? And what would be the significance of it? That's yes. exactly right. What would be the significance of it? And how could you do something of that magnitude? I mean, it's like looking at the crop circles. You know, there are people who hoax those. But then when you get to the real crop circles, what you find is that these nodes where the, the particular plants have been laid over, they have exploded. So there's something that's controlled something. And we're talking yes. about um, it, what they call dragon circles years and years ago they were out in, in these fields and they would say it was because the, the devil was dancing on the field 
Okay, mm-hmm. that was long before we had anything like a drone or anything up in right, the sky yes, that yes. could be manifesting itself on the ground. So yes, there are people who try to get notoriety by, let's yeah. say, building a yeah, UFO and trying to act like they did it all, or building a yeah. uh, a crop circle and taking credit for all the crop yes. circles. You you just go yes, there's a possibility there could be something that maybe wind and the structure of wind in, into a um, you know, like a twister or whatever could form some kind of patterns, but it can't be there all the time and all these different places and all these different kinds of crops. It's not like we can just see them here and only there. It's in different places, and it can be on snow. It can be on ice. It can be in sand. I mean, these things are formed in a lot of different places, not just where we see a lot of them over in England near Stonehenge. Yes. But the, the thing the thing about all of it is that it appears to be correlated to some type of spiritual or other type knowledge that we as humans have not gotten a hold of. And going back to what you were saying about the UFOs, I do believe that it's, it's a fallen angel. I think that anything with the spiritual end of it, and, and I've dealt with people who have actually said they have been contacted, that they were asleep, that they were paralyzed, and that these little gray beings came into the room mm-hmm. with the big heads, big eyes. Right. That they had the long fingers and that they've touched them and done like different stuff and actually taken them through a wall and all kinds of stuff. Right. And then really kind of been tortured. So yes. never a good experience. And they're always telling them things about things like theosophy where it's about nature and love of nature. It, it really red flags against what biblical scripture tells us about. What In you, other words, that you can change the planet and you can do this and what right. you can do and not the concept of God or whatever. But the most interesting things are the people who really have had very terrible situations where these beings have probed them and done and hurt them. Um, They would be so fearful that I've had people say they wouldn't sleep in their houses at night. They would sleep in cars outside of businesses at night away from their homes. I mean, scared to death. Um, But the interesting thing is the only way to stop this that it's been scientifically proved in many cases, including some of the cases that I've had when people have contacted me and they've used this, is that the moment that it starts to happen to them, if they will say, in the name of Jesus, I command you to stop. In the name of Jesus. And every time, every case, it stopped. Now, if you say in the name of Allah, if you say, I don't know what you are, leave me alone. Right. If you try to get your gun out, if you try to whatever, <laughs> yes, I can see that happening. Them except the name of Jesus. Okay. And if you go back to scripture, it says to cast out, to cast out a demon or to do whatever. When Jesus taught his disciples, they said, silver and gold have I none, but what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus. Ride up, rise and walk. Or in the name of Jesus, I cast out this devil. Or in the name of Jesus, you were made whole. They had to do it in the name of Jesus. Dr. Joy, I wanted to ask you about that, which is really interesting because you mentioned it. And I wanted wanted you to clarify. Because basically what you're talking here about is almost like when we think of extraterrestrials, and I'm going to say extraterrestrials in the general sense, you know, there's different versions of it. But like you said, let's say, Uh let's go with the gray. Or the gray, which uh-huh. is one of the most well-known, you know, 
you're basically... You're, yeah, the gray, the gray beings are the ones that you typically even see if you're heavy into marijuana or if you're right, into they're, hard they're drugs, like, LSD and things like that. They're right. very... They're, those little gray beings are very prevalent in the case. Yeah, they're like... They're, basically, they're, they use them just for... like that, that, Like, that's, that's almost like the... The prototypical. Everybody wants to, you know, denote, uh, you know, an extraterrestrial. They use the big head with the large eyes. But what you're describing is something right. that, in its essence, is demonic. Is what you're saying. This is. Um, oh yeah, very demonic. In other words, this is not. How can I say? It? This is not a being from another. Let's say another planet. Okay, which right? I don't, um, I don't believe it's like from Pleiades and all those places that they'll say that you know Cyrus right, B. Right, what, right, right. They have all these different places that they think they come from. Now I say they're right here with us and have been here with us from day one. Okay, okay, that's that's they're manifesting and, and, and more than likely because of the numbers. I mean, I was seeing the UFO phenomena is just expanding because the Navy and the Army are having to deal and Air Force are having to deal with these things that they're encountering coming out of the ocean coming out okay. of volcanoes in our skies i mean yes. they are coming out and going we can't stop we can't we can't we don't know what it is we can't stop it we got the best of the best out there and they're running all over us and jumping around and we can't really protect humanity from it because we don't know what it is right so it's really think, real do you think that these, and it's something these that's beings, a lot more powerful than us do you think these beings how can i say that they exist I want to say with us, but also interdimensionally. That, in other words, maybe sometimes because we just can't see them with our regular five senses—the ones that we walk around with—that that that's why sometimes we're not well, you know, aware the, of them. the Bible. Well, it's like what the Bible says. You know, we see through a glass darkly, and right. and when you understand eyesight, let's just say the spectrum of light is mm -hmm. like let's just say the rainbow. Okay, right. if you take it like a bell curve. The center of that rainbow is where we can see in, in about this small little area. On the left and right, where there's more arch and more uh, light in, in a different dimension of light, we can't see in that light. In other words, our eyes do not have the capability to see it. It's no different than if we look under a microscope, micron microscope, and you can see like dust mites and all this stuff, bacteria growing all over your hands and you think you've washed them and you're just, it's just... Right, right, yes. That's a moving very along good example. You've, it's not like, okay, if you hold your hand up and you think it's clean, but when you put it in those microscopes mm. and you're like, oh my gosh, yes. this is terrible. I don't want to eat it with my hands anymore. So it's not that it's not there. It's not, it's just that we don't have the capability of seeing it. No different than if we go out in the sky, and I'm an avid sky watcher, I can see so many stars with my, you know, with the naked eye. But when I add a telescope to my eye, then I can see further. And then when I add the Hubble telescope to the dimension of looking even deeper into space, then you see more and more and more and more. So what we know just from science, from the microscope to the telescope, is that our eyes are not beholding everything that's here with us. Right. So if a spiritual dimension, which I believe is all around us, it can manifest being right in front of our eyes. I mean, I, I think it was MIT that uh, I'd have to go back and look at my research, but I think it was MIT that did the light bending capability. And in other right. words, they could put something right at your nose, but bend the light in front of you. Mm -hmm. And it's sitting there looking right at you and you can't see it. So let's yes. just say we're sitting in our houses right here 
and and you know I can see my kitty cat on the table over here that sits mm-hmm. with me and one in the chair next to me um, but let's say all the chairs and open empty spaces there literally could be stuff all around me and and in scripture we are told that when anybody was able to see into those other dimensions uh, I think it was Elijah that saw into the dimension and saw the army and what it was like and, and the, like the spiritual warfare that was going on between the good right. and the bad, that it was just overwhelming. But yes. he was seeing that through his eyes as it being right here with us. So I think that's the thing is that uh, we have a lot of space. We have a lot of space that's all out around us that yes. we, you know, we've heard people talk about dark matter exactly. and we don't really know what dark matter mm-hmm. is. So say it's the ether and I mean we've, we've heard it told called so many things throughout history and throughout the schooling that we've had but yet there's not really that understanding what what is in that empty space right right all they all they say <laughs> and, is that it's the absence of of what it's like or the space between whatever is, is matter yeah, like it's exactly. absence of matter uh-huh. but then matter in itself what people don't understand for example everything living has its own sound, you know, and I talk about this in my work because, you know, there's such thing as human resonance where the earth is vibrating at a certain uh, hertz, and that's what God set it up to be, where our bodies are all vibrating. So we literally, although we look solid and we can kind of pound our hands on something and it feels solid, Mm -hmm. we really are just a bunch of atoms vibrating together. Yes. Do, 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 do. Yes. So, you know, when you talk about teleportation, where mm-hmm. something could maybe move you from, let's say, a room through a wall or through a right. window and out a window, well, if you've got the ability to change the vibrational pattern, let's yeah. say, of the window or whatever, you can make it fluid where you right. could move us through it. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. And, Just, and, and of course, you, I mean, you're all, always thinking that whatever, you know, re, you reassemble or something right back to you can reassemble and of course you know there was an experience uh, experiment that was done that some people say conspiracy or whatever but I find it mm-hmm. very interesting because there I think there was some truth to it where they took a supposed ship uh, and uh, it was called for the ones going above and beyond for the ones reaching out helping out and lending a hand for the ones people count on you can count on Granger. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, backed by 24-7 customer support and specialists to help with hard-to-find products. Because you've got everyone's back, we've got yours. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Annie had an earache on a Saturday of all days. So her mom brought her to Minute Clinic at CVS, where you can see a provider, fill a prescription, and grab essentials like pain relief products, all in one visit. Even on evenings and weekends, you can even see us online with telehealth options. For quality, affordable care on your schedule, visit Minute Clinic at CVS. That's healthier made easier. Services vary by location. See MinuteClinic.com for details. The um, Philadelphia experiment. Yes, yes. And they literally moved a ship from one port to another, but when they brought it back, the sailors on board were embedded into the ship. Yes, yes, yes. In other words, they couldn't separate the, the solids, 
let's say, a table from human that's, vibration. And that right is there different. is where the thing is that something that's inanimate, when I say inanimate per se, as in not living, versus right. doing that with that's a living right. thing. Uh, that's, I think, where it, I think it, it gets crazy. Yes, and I, and I fully believe that the people who try to talk about it, they send them into mental institutions yes. to keep them from talking about it. I mean, there is a way to do experiments, and a lot of people don't believe our government could be doing that around the world. Lately, I think a lot of people are having you know, a, uh, a, a change of mind. I hate to say this. Um, like you said, once upon a time when people would describe uh, things along these lines, they were like, oh, that kook. <laughs> Look at what they're dead. The government would never do that. Unfortunately, I think lately right. a lot of people and, uh, are realizing that that's not the case. Well, it's at like all. we mentioned. Well, I think what happens is it's like we were mentioned earlier. There's a lot of people who've had a lot of experiences that took them to their, their death. Yeah. And many times I've had people want to tell me things and they, you know, had experiences in the military and they would wait till all their family was dead and they were the last yes. ones and then they would tell you because they felt like. You know, I'm giving you this information. They can't do anything to me now. Well, you know what? And, um, I, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna interrupt you real quick because I'm gonna. I'm, these are one of my theories, and you know, uh, and exactly like you know how you see a lot of these um, retired government or military people that, like you said, they're like retired or they're almost on their deathbed, and they come forward and they talk about, mm -hmm. ex, you know, mm -hmm. Project Blue Book, all these things, like exactly like what you said. That they're like, okay, what are they gonna do to me now? You know. But then I'm thinking, you know, That's there's right. a bunch of them. I'm telling you because this is this is, and this yeah, is Marlene's theory. That do that. Who think that I'm telling you they haven't talked about it because they think, you know what? If I talk about it, I'm still gonna put my or expose my family. Especially because I said, I wonder if there's any men in black who really know more than they and they think about if I ever talk, they're gonna look at my family and say, Well, what did he tell his family? In other words, that's right. You know, That's you're right. basically, you it, could die, but you're leaving, you're, you're going to leave your family exposed or jeopardized because whoever they are, government, I'm just going to say government is going to think, hey, did he ever tell his wife, his kids, his, you know, that, that thing that he right. went out and did? And I think a lot of them say, you know what, I would, I would like to talk about this, but I can't do this to my family. And they... Right. Never and, and, talk about it. and they don't do it. They don't. So they never talk about it. And so that way, everything is kept quiet. And then if somebody comes out, then they'll say, oh, well, he was delusional. He didn't know what he was talking about. He was oh, on his deathbed. Yeah. They'll, they'll discredit them. And you go, I don't think if I was going to go meet my maker that I would be saying what those guys were saying. One of the perfect examples is Ron Wyatt, who says he found the blood of Jesus uh, on a um, on the Ark of the Covenant. He actually found it. And he had it tested, and, and he has, you know, documented that that blood was alive. Well, they've tried to make his family feel yes. guilty about this stuff, and now yes. his family won't really discuss it. Oh, of well, course not. a man that was dying of cancer, a man dying of cancer who's on tape, who's mm -hmm. crying and talking about the blood of Jesus, he's going to go meet Jesus. Yes. He was avidly trying to prove Jesus was real. Why would he lie about that? He would never do that. So I'm kind of like... You got to, you know, I, I, I'm happy that, you know, I can do shows like yours and, mm -hmm. and try to get people to listen to my research. Because what I'm trying to say to people is if you've had these situations, find somebody like me or some oh, sure. organization who's sure. willing to listen to get these stories out there so that people don't feel like if I tell somebody, they're going to drag me off oh, to a yeah. mental institution. Yes. Because yes. It, it is a lot of 
serious, serious research that could be done. Let's just say that, you know, there's 10 people in your neighborhood and they all saw this weird little thing, you know, when they were out and about. And nobody wants to tell anybody because, oh, we want to, you know, we don't want anybody to think that I saw a Sasquatch. You know, I mean, that's going to be like crazy. Or or I saw the little people. You know, there's little things where people, like these little elf-looking things that people see in the the forest. But they are not going to talk about it. But I'm like, okay, well, what if we could say that half of your city that was in the park as children saw that same thing? Yes. If you were willing to say... Did anybody see anything like this? Has anybody ever had a you know case where you found it? If you could get people to genuinely talk about, well, what did you see last night in the sky? Yes. See anything strange, you know, and not be afraid that somebody's going to make fun or they're going to lose their job or whatever. And I realize that there are people who have mental health problems, and yeah. I do realize that there are people who are possessed with with demonic mm-hmm. beings yes. that we send off and put on high-powered medicine, and they're never going to get better because in the Bible. It talks about sorcery, and sorcery in, in, in the Greek and, and Hebrew mean pharmaca. So there are medicines that people are being given supposedly to make them feel better or not have these whatever. It's not really helping. It's just giving in to those conditions more. They may be able to function maybe in society a little bit better, mm-hmm. but they're not handling the issue. And I've always said until you get that demonic oppression or possession out, that person, yeah, you can, you can, you can, you know, knock them out. You can sedate right. them. I mean, the, the couple of schizophrenic people, they used to give them stuff and knock them completely out. I mean, they were like knocked out until that manifestation or that anxiety relaxed itself. No, no, no. All, all, those, then, all, all know, it's doing is masking the symptoms and not addressing the cause. It's masking, masking the symptom, it. but not it's addressing not the cause. It. And I've always said, and if you ever cast out something like that, and I, you know, I, I really, um, I, I really like the work that um, Malachi Martin did in Hostage oh, to the yes, Devil. Oh, absolutely. And I, it, that's a great book to read. Yes. If you are biblically sound and can deal with it because oh. if you're not and you read that you won't ever go to sleep again yes if you talk so, and when he talks about the middle so plane it's like one of those things where, oh yeah what you find in there that's uh, yeah i mean there's just uh, yeah so I'm, I'm like people who get into they they get experimental with the the seances and yes. the astral flight and yes remote and, viewing and uh, stuff the, yeah know, transcendental meditation mm-hmm. and and kundalini when you get into that stuff it's not like it's not a it shouldn't be going into uh without you knowing what's going on because when you get into that stuff and you are leaving your body and you're detaching from it it gives an other entity a chance to get in there Mm -hmm. and then once it's in there oh my gosh you have got a major major problem and a lot of people don't realize that uh, the Exorcist, in which um, uh, Linda Blair played in when I was right. a young girl, yes. well, that movie came out, and everybody was like, oh, I that was based on a true story. Most people don't realize that that was based on a true, true, yes. true, true story. And if right. you read Hostage to the Devil, that Malachi Martin, he, you know, yes. he was an exorcist with the Vatican, yes. um, and a, a Jesuit preacher, mm-hmm. he literally documents that when those things came out, some of those priests died. So you go in to start messing with a demonic being, it's like, like the Bible said, there was a couple of people that tried to do that, and, and, the, and the demon's like, I know Jesus, and I know Paul, but who are you? In other words, they get on you, you 
then they can kill you because they have that kind of right. little and, 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 power. And as a matter of fact, you know that, uh, well, he, even though, he, you know, he had, it wasn't really a fault. He was, but he wasn't. You know, he had, uh, uh, at the time that he died, you know, he took, he, uh, Malachi Martin, he basically fell down and he hit his head and then subsequently he died. And I've heard that mm-hmm. at that time he was involved in what was going to be some type of exorcism with a very young girl, a very young child. <laughs> and there, you know, I've heard the theory that they're saying that he was targeted, that that fall he took, which led to his death, was caused because of his involvement <laughs> in a child that was supposedly possessed by a demon. And that, in other words, it wasn't just a simple fall. It was this fall, uh, entity right, trying right, right. to basic uh detour sabotage his attempt to to perform the exorcism um and and, well, he, you know, and he was pretty knowledgeable like that you, yes yes and, and he was willing to talk about something that yes. had been hidden in you know vatican archives for decades that oh, was going yes. on i mean you and i cannot go to the vatican and say hey you know i want to go down into your archives and i want to look at these things i mean we would be astounded to know the secrets that are hidden in the vatican and oh, in the British yes. Museum, and in our Smithsonian here in the United States. And, you know, the thing about it is, when you talk about states within states, mm-hmm. and not really a part of the rest of the thing, you think about Washington, D.C. is like that, you think about the yes. city of London is that way, and you yes. think about the Vatican. They have their own setup, and they've got those records in those places. So figure yeah. what could be really being hidden from us, the common people. Really, oh, I, and, it's, it's, and I think a lot. Yes, and it's I, when quite I, a lot. I, I think. talk about it in my research. You know, I'm pretty straightforward that I believe that that there's a lot, it, just like the giants. I mean, that's been hidden and hidden and hidden. But now, like I say, with science and the technology and the unearthing of these giant human bones, all, all of a sudden people are going. I'm like, well, did the Bible not tell us that even the remnant of the giants cross over with the, you know, I, which I believe was through the genetics of. Uh, Ham's lineage that it crossed over, and I talk about that in my books. But, you know, Og, Goliath, those things we now know are real. And then some of the bones that they have unearthed, which I fully believe were before the flood, were huge beings, just like these huge dinosaurs. We're talking right. about huge people. Right. And well, but and I think also what's happened the- is that with the internet, you know, because before your science or your institutions or your universities, were the first and the last words on these theories. And if they, in other words, everybody listened to them, but now you have what I call unofficial scientists, for lack of a better word, who converse amongst themselves. And it's like, okay, people are starting to question the accepted theories that are put out, which by the way, I think is great. You should question it. And a lot of people think, no, it's not that you take everything at face value, but that you're allowed to question it and reason, is that really what it is? Uh, or the or what I'm being fed, you know, the theory or the version <laughs> that I'm being fed, and w- like you stated, well, and, and so much of that, like you say, if it was, if it, let's just say, if, let's say Oxford, right, came out with something. I know I was doing something on the Shroud of Turin the other day, and they said, well, once nature produced the results of the Shroud of Turin being a, uh, you know, a medieval fake, mm-hmm. you know, or whatever, right, that once Oxford said that, nobody would question them. Yes, well, now there's been a scientist that came back and said, whoa. We want to look at what they did. And now yes. they, they realize that all of that was faked, and none of that is correct, yes. that the shroud is really from the time of Jesus. Yes. So, yes, it's like before, 
if you had Oxford or some of those people stating the fact, nobody questioned it because they were scared if they no. did. You would be academic wise if they were a professor, or whatever. You would be out the door that's and never it. be hired. And, again. and they would never forget about it. By the way, <laughs> that's it. You that's would, right. it would. All these it would um, follow you to your death. All these universities would close their doors to you, and you would become a laughing stock, yes. and you would die poor and obscure, and uh, always being called a kook. And I, I've even heard that I, the museums like the Smithsonian has tons of artifacts, which if they don't correlate with the version they're buried somewhere in the depths of the smithsonian uh, that's right so that they they're never found and they never can be brought forward exactly. and that is a sad thing to know that yes. our history yes. that would prove exactly what i truly believe the bible has told us all along we get our hands on some of that stuff it would be like proof it's like yes. okay we've had the satellites up there by mount ariad okay there is a something up there on mount ariad which tells us the, the mountains of Mariad is where noah's ark is at well, yes. the Turkish government won't let us up there. It's the same thing with the Sphinx. There's always been, you know, Edgar Casey swore that there was a hall of records that's under the front paws of the Sphinx. Well, right. we've got the sound capability and the, in the satellite stuff that now says there's a huge chamber under there. Oh, well, the Egyptian antiquities, people won't let you down there. Why? Exactly. It's, it's like everybody's trying to keep the truth from being known because right. if you understand that the shroud is real, Jesus is real. It means well, the Bible's real. Exactly. If, you, if there was an ark, then Noah's real, there was a flood, everything is being told as what it was. And what happens is then all the other religions that's been brought up and used by the Vatican, which I explained how, mm -hmm. you know, really, yes. uh, Muhammad and got his stuff, and, and, and Allah and the Muslims were utilized by them to form an army to do their dirty work, and they, right. and they are who educated these people into their religion. So you start seeing that those things will crumble once the proof is in all this stuff. You know, uh-oh, there's a problem. This can't be this way because this is this, this, and this, this. Right, exactly. They don't want it known yet. And they know it's real, and the, and the people that's in charge of it know we're telling the truth. They sure. know that's the way it is, yet they are keeping their mouth shut and keeping us out of knowing the truth. And if they can do that, then they keep people not knowing that God is real right. and that he has been a part of this as far as a creator is concerned, that you are very, very loved, that you are very much part of this world, and there's a reason behind your existence. Yes. But and if they can keep that quiet, they're going to. And, 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 and if we believe the Bible, in which I truly believe everything in it, because I believe science is really catching up and showing that it's all true, if, if that's the case, then the Bible... We're going to go through the end of days. And right now, what the Bible says about the end of days, the hurricanes, you know, the changes of the sun, moon, and stars, yes. the earthquakes in diverse, diverse places and all this kind of all this stuff is happening just like it said. Well, now, right. if it's happening just like it said, and everything in the Bible from Eden up to right now has been the truth, and we can prove it if we could get to Mount Ariette and get the pieces of Noah's Ark, and we could go to... And, and prove the shroud, yes, it's blood of Jesus, and use Ron's stuff and say this is Jesus' blood, and it, it has 23 chromosomes for the mother and one for a father. I mean, if you could bring all that up before a jury, right. my gosh, you know, right. you would win every time because you're saying it's all true. And if that's all true, then the next thing to happen is that this generation that we're living in is going to see the end of days, 
And it, these things are going to start happening. It's going to be like a woman in travail. It's going to get closer and closer together, and the intensity gets worse and worse. But what are we seeing? I mean, right now, we've got algae growing, 29 ponds and stuff up in lakes up in New York. Never had it. You had mm-hmm. 30-something beaches closed in Mississippi because of algae blooms. You've got animals dying in all these places. You've got flooding. You've got fires. You've got all these plagues. You, you've got wars and rumors of wars. You've got a, a pope that's standing up, and he's trying to put everybody in an umbrella to make it a one-world you know, new right. world religion yes. under one umbrella. I mean, everything that's in Scripture is coming to pass in this generation. And when it says the generation that sees this, you know, the season is not. Well, and, and it it's like one thing, if, day, if one thing is discovered to be false, then of course, then everybody's going to say, well, then what else have we been told that's false? And in, in other words, it's like, you know, when you follow a thread right. back, uh, then everything starts coming apart. And uh, that's why I think that there's uh, a lot of, it's not only one particular area that's been falsified. I think it's different, but they're afraid if, if any of this is uncovered, any of it, then the, everybody's going to say, if any of it's question uncovered, everything overall. And ever, that's right. If, if everything that's uncovered, if it could be uncovered and shown to be what it really is, yes. then there's no doubt. But Satan doesn't want that because oh, he no. wants us to always question it and not believe that he is real. Or he exists, you know, and I, and I always try to, especially in the paranormal, when people are really looking at that, I say, well, you know, it's like sometimes I'll tell people about, you know, do you, do you get it that in the book of Daniel, it tells you there's watchers and yes. holy ones, those watchers are watching you 24-7 a day. That's why they know your Achilles heel and how to make yes. things happen. Don't think that you just fell off of whatever this happened like. There was a plan. And the plan is to make you mad, to make you cuss, to turn from God. It's always to cause you to lose your soul. Everything that Satan does is after your greatest asset. If you really think about it, it's to make you fall. He is in that fallen state forever, and he wants to take everybody he can take with him to that fallen state because he knows that one thing is what hurts God the most. Well, it's called the corruption of your soul. It's the loss of his child. It's, That's it's, right. it's a process. I, I, I think a lot of people think like you go from this to that, like, and I think it's a process. It's called a corruption of something and corruption happens in, incrementally. In other words, it's uh, a, things like that are, like you said, where, because we always think of, of course, of time is linear for us because that's how we measure time. So for us, sometimes it's inconceivable to think of sure. beings or governments or anything to be patient and put in, mm-hmm. in, in motion something with the end result being way down the line. We, for, because we're kind of impatient mm-hmm. as human beings. Uh, we're thinking, okay, it's, well, somebody's going to actually be that Machiavellian. And it's yes, they do. They can. And they are. They do that. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever it might be, mm-hmm. whether it's a government, whether it's, 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 it's on a spiritual basis, uh, whatever the case might be, yes, sometimes. And, and it, because the ultimate goal is, I think, the corruption of, of what we are, like what you said, the human soul. It is. It's all about the human soul. Everything, the only reason we're here is to, is, to, is to choose. We're here to either choose God and go to paradise like you first established, or we're going to go to hell with Satan. Honestly, I, I fully believe, and I think that's what Ecclesiastes was saying, you know, you know in, in Ecclesiastes. You know, everything is just not to be concerned about. 
well, there's only course, one if, thing if, to be concerned about. Yeah, Who I mean, do you choose? Who do you choose? It's a choice. You got a choice. You get to live the life. You get to choose whatever, whatever you like. But in it, in everything you make a choice about, it is about your finality of the placement of your soul, which is forever. And, you know, I show in my work that um, that spark of life, once it begins, when the egg hits the sperm, right. and now we have, you know, the scientists that are showing the egg hitting the sperm, and now there's that little spark, like I've said all the time yes. in my work. Once that's made, and the law of thermodynamics proves it scientifically, that once that interview is made, it can never be destroyed. It's like ice. You can make it into water and you can make it into vapor. You can make yes. it a solid, a liquid, or a vapor. The right. same thing with your body. When that spirit leaves your body, it doesn't have to have the shell on the outside. Mm -hmm. It's still you. It's still the energy that's you with your mind and everything. And when it says that God can come back and bring us bones back together, oh, yes, because every skin cell on you is a holographic you. We can make a million clones of you just from one, you know, from each one of your skin cells. So it's not when people think it's lights out, that there's nothing else. They're fooling themselves. And that's why... I feel like if I can just talk enough about it that people understand that their soul is real yes. and it's eternal and it's forever and what choices you make are in the mindset of the Creator, do you want to be with me or not? He's given us a chance of living, most of us will live, you know, up to probably 100 years of age now because of, you know, medical science and technology to keep us alive, but let's say you've got 100 years. Uh, to make a choice. Right. I'm giving you the chance to get it right. Exactly. And if, if you don't, then unlike Satan, when he did what he did, it was over. He didn't get 100 you know, years or whatever to, to be thinking about it. He was in an in a, uh, immortal state. So when he chose immediately, like, like when we sin, if let's just say I always said like in the book of Leviticus, when those poor uh, Hebrews were trying to, to be out there in the wilderness and everything else. When they did wrong, here immediately that was by the law, they died. Yes. You know, they, they took them out to outside the city and killed them, or God opened up the earth and swallowed them up. But in other words, you break the law and you're dead. That's it. Yes. Where Jesus on the cross gave us the ability to go and say, Lord, forgive me for this sin. I won't do this anymore. Yes. You know? Yes. You know, I, I ask for forgiveness. I choose you. Whatever. If you do that, then you have that sin, according to biblical scripture, is wiped from from God's slate. It's yes. no longer a mark on your head. Right. You're, an, you're, um, you're you have the ability to repent. You, in other words, you can repent, and you have the salvation and the assurance that even though you could be you could have murdered a million people, but if your heart is right at the end, and you ask for forgiveness. I, God will forgive you for the million people. And some people go, well, how is that possible? It's because you repented. You yes. turned. And that's what God wants. Even And he talks about that in the, in, in the prodigal son. I always believe that's why that parable is in the Bible. It's to show that, yes, there are one son could stay there and be the good son and do everything right, da-da-da-da-da. But the one that went away and did the wild stuff and did the crazy stuff right. and did the bad stuff, that he could literally see the light. Yes. And because he saw the light, it was worth a feast yes. for not to lose one soul. So you know that God is sitting up there going, you know, please choose right. Exactly. Come back. Exactly. Want me. I mean, imagine if you were a, a, a father 
and you oh, had you know three or four children out there, and you were going, "Come on, guys, you know I love you. Come on, guys, pick this. You know, don't do this to hurt." You would want that as a father to your child or a mother yes. to your child. Yes. And total rejection, where they would turn and look at you and say, "I don't want your love. I don't want you. What you have? I don't want this." And they turn and walk away. You know, if God had not given us free will, then He could have robotically made us love Him. But that's not what He wanted. He wanted us to choose him, just like he wanted his angels to love him. Right, but it, it should Satan, always be. Want to do that? Uh, a free, it's a free choice, though, and that's very important. I think that 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 that's the part sometimes people miss, as far as that it's always your choice, or, you know, that individual's choice. It's in always your choice. Uh, you can't. Um, yes. and you're not going to stand in judgment with your best friend. You're not going to stand in judgment yes. blaming somebody else. When you stand in judgment in the days. There's no excuse. You're going to stand up there and you're going to be judged against the law because you didn't choose Jesus to cover your sins. Now, if you chose Jesus to cover sins, you don't stand up there for that. It's only the people that decide, I'm, going to be, I'm, I'm good enough to stand before God and justify myself. Right. And, 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 and it's... it's, it's you need to just justify yourself for one day of bad thinking. Why? Well, there's, no way to, there's no way but through Jesus and to you get can't, salvation, you can't to escape get yourself. You can't escape yourself. Yes, In right. other words, you could, sometimes people can pretend something to the outside world or to those around them, even the closest people around them, but you, you know, you, you like they say, everywhere you go, there you are. Uh, there comes a point where yeah. you, you can't escape yourself or what you know or what you've done or the whatever you could bury it but it doesn't mean it's gone away it's, it hasn't disappeared uh that's right your your deepest your deepest sin that you may have never told anybody mm-hmm. because your mind and I, and I i wish we had time to go into it, but the pineal gland that i talk about in a lot of my books is a trans it's actually a trans uh for it's, it, it, it it it'll transmit and it will receive it's a transponder mm-hmm uh, much like a, a cell phone or radio tower or whatever. So it means that you're sending out signals through your body, and it's being received more than likely, when I prove, through the Creator as a great conductor of an orchestra because we are all singing. So we all have our imprint, and, and He has the knowledge, just like we have a computer system, of everything that's within it. Yes. Okay, it's giving data back to the source of a computer. Same thing, Creator has this transponder in all of our heads and when it says he knows the very heads on your hair on your heads he knows every sin everything you ever think do or say well yeah there's there it is so if you think he doesn't know right. <laughs> about it yeah. he does know about it sure. Sure. and you can't hide it because it is what he mechanically biologically placed in your body to know that yes exactly yeah. And it's not something you can run away from. So, yeah. like I say, the 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 process of wanting to people to understand that yes, your soul is very real. It's very much inside of you. When you die, you will be in that. And if you come back and you're resurrected, as the Bible tells us, back into a body that is in a resurrected state, yes, science can prove that you can do that because of the cloning and in the cells and all that kind of stuff. Your body can be regenerated. And if we can regenerate a body as human beings in a clone, right. just imagine what the creator can do. You know, he doesn't have to manipulate something. Right. He can just do it. Of course. He spoke and the, and the worlds were formed. And if you think about an MRI, we can, we can take pictures now with, with magnets banging together. It makes a perfect picture. 
So if it says God spoke and it was, bam. And if we can break a glass by yes. screaming, you know, a, a perfect note, and we can just perfect pitch, yes. what can God's voice do? Oh my gosh! You just, just need to think about take science and and look at this stuff, and then that's what my that's what my research does. And I hope that your listeners will get a chance to go to my website at yes. um, Dr. Joy, like you said, mm-hmm. J O Y E dot com. Yes. And um, and I want to put a, a link know, to click the, on the, the link credits there of the show. Book. Yeah, because I feel like that if you're if you're searching for those lost answers that you don't feel like Scripture has given you the right answers. You can read my work, and I'll take you to those scriptures, uh, you know, because I list up. At one time, I thought, well, I'll just put down, you know, read John, whatever. But I decided that lots of times people, if, if they're like me, I don't like footnotes where you got to go and look back mm-hmm. here and look at that and whatever. Right. I just put it in the context of the way I write. Okay. So if I, if I quote a scripture, then you're going to find that scripture. And I always use King James Version. I believe the only King James Version and not the new one, but the old one. Right. Uh, I give you the scripture so that you can sit there and ponder without having to go get a book or whatever and sit there and have two or three different books or go trying to flip back and look for footnotes or whatever. I just go ahead and tell you, this is the guy that said it, this is the book he said it in, and this is the page number it's on, and here it is, you know, boom. So that it's easy for you right. to get a grasp of what I'm trying to tell you. Right, the reference is there. And not make it there. complicated. I'm trying to simplify it enough that it's hard enough sometimes for people to grasp how how important you are in your creator's eyes and that's one thing i want you to see you are his prized possession he made us in his image he is a father that doesn't want to lose his children to a bomb and you know a a being that unfortunately he created with free will but yet wants to destroy everything now including taking us straight to hell with him and and that's where you're going to go if you don't choose Jesus for salvation. Like I'm saying, no other name can stop an abduction. No other name can remove a demonic presence. No other name can heal you. So, you know, you kind of want to be on the winning team. Oh, sure. And when the end of the Bible tells you this is the way it's going to end up, I kind of want to be on the side with the guy that's going to win. So if we can understand the significance of why we were created and why we're here and that we are really, again, not some grain of sand floating around in space, then you start getting a purpose and start paying attention. Because I don't think that what I had happened to me with my dreams and whatever is any mm-hmm. different than a lot of other people. They just don't talk about it. They're oh, afraid no. to talk about it, afraid somebody's going to say they're an idiot or yeah. I'm scared that somebody's going to criticize them about sure. it. I don't think I'm any different in that aspect. It's just that God has given me a platform to not be afraid and step up on that platform and deliver it, hoping that other people have had some of the similar experiences and go, oh my gosh, God was talking to me when this happened, and God was talking to me when that happened. And this was not a coincidence, and I called. We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one Best Network. Verizon. Best and most reliable based on root metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined. Not specific to 5G networks. We did it again. 
Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network, Verizon. Best and most reliable based on Root Metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks. Get lucky because I didn't get killed that day. You know, no. Right. Right. There was a reason. There was something at work in your life. There are things that are here with us that we cannot see. That's been with us from the very beginning. I mean, once you get an understanding that when you get mad or something irritates you, instead of going, oh, I just hate so-and-so, you can say, again, I'm not wrestling against that flesh and blood, but I'm wrestling against something that's much more powerful than that you better be aware of that because if Satan can keep us all fighting against each other, sure. then we don't hear the word of God. We don't understand that we are all God's children. Yeah, we get and distracted that we need from to be concerned the, about the our fellow stuff. man. We get distracted from the that's important right. stuff. And that's, it's a shame. That's it's, right. It's, 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 there's more, there's more at stake. I think sometimes when people realize, uh, and unfortunately right. that, 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 you know, because everybody's too busy multitasking, for lack of a better word. And that's why I think well, there's so well, many stressed like the out people running around. Right. The more technology you would think that we would have mm -hmm. more knowledge about stuff like yes. this. But what it's done is it's separated us. It's taken the yes. human element out. Mm -hmm. And now you've got children killing children because they played all these video games that yes. I talk about in my research that are making them mentoring candidates. Yes. And, and I explain all that. I mean, it's yes. not it's not like something bad is not behind it all there's something very evil in all of this mm -hmm, of and course. once you start seeing that evil then you can deal with it better you can make better choices you can understand why you're upset and what's going on and, and sickness may be being caused by this yes. demonic presence that you have an ability to cast out or pray over and believe yes. and that kind of stuff so it gives you more power of course and that's what the devil doesn't want you to know he doesn't yes. want you to know that you have power over him, but you do. Exactly. And as long as you don't think he's real and you don't think you have power over him, then he manipulates and controls you and, and like I say, in some cases possesses you with his demonic beings. Unfortunately, It's yes. a terrible thing. Yes. Well, and, it, and it's not a bedtime story. It's like I tell people, my books are not a bedtime story, but they are a wake-up call. Of course. And I, But unfortunately, sometimes people want to stick their heads in the sand because it's a difficult truth That's sometimes right. to come to grips with. Because it makes That's you right. think about things that you don't want to think about. Because it's like, I'm too busy to think right. about that. <laughs> There's you know, people running right. around. Uh, uh, or oh, this feels good and I don't want to change it. Or right, I, I like the way my life is right. and I don't want to stop this particular drug or smoking or whatever, yeah, whatever. a person whatever. may be doing. Exactly. You, exactly. you choose to continue in your sin because you like it. Exactly. And, and Satan knows that. He makes it difficult for you. That's why... Where my where where he tempts me will not be where he tempts you or anybody over here. Right. Your your problems may be something that I can typically handle and not have a problem yes. with. But your you know my problems may be the same way that you can handle my problems. But the ones that we get have been specifically designed to make us fall. Exactly, it's tailor made. In other words, and that's the problem. All right, Doctor so Joy, let's to that fall. It's I wanted to thank you for spending this time today. It has been absolutely fascinating. I could talk to you about so many things. This is going to go in so many directions. 
Uh, but it has been absolutely fascinating. And like I said before, I'm going to have a link to your website on the credits of the show. And for my podcast listeners, they already know that all they, they have to do is go to uh, drjoy.com. That's spelled D-R-J-O-Y-E.com if they want to yeah, learn more about my, your work and, and your books as well, right? Yes, all the links are there. And they can also Facebook me at Joy, J-O-Y-E-P-P-U-G-H. You can put my Facebook. Okay, uh, sure, Joy absolutely. Pete. I will do that. And absolutely. then and they, I usually try to advertise about when I'm on a radio show. So mm-hmm. when you send me this on podcast yes. and let me know where the links are, yes, then I I'll will. post those on my Facebook because most people will watch for that. Yes. And then yes. they'll go to the links and listen at it or pass it on or share it or whatever. And, and I find yes. that that's probably the quickest and easiest yes. way to get the word yes. out. I will be sending that off to you. And as soon as uh, it's ready, I will be sending that off to you. And again, thank you so very, very much for spending this time. Well, with listen, me. I just appreciate the opportunity to be on your show. And, and again, uh, in the future, if you'll keep me in mind, if Absolutely. there's something that yes. you feel like your listeners yes. uh, respond to you and say, boy, I really like what she talked about on this yes. and this, then you can just let me know and we can focus on just, this yes. is so much in my work. Exactly. It's an area that you want to focus on that we can focus directly on that one thing, you know. Yes, yes, yes. And boy, there's plenty to cover. But again, thank you so much. And oh, yeah. Have, thank you very, very much. And have a good night. You too. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Thank you again, Marlene. Likewise. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. What an interesting lady. I'm not kidding. <laughs> when I was looking, when I was, when I was reading her bio... And I was looking at all the books that she had written about the subject matter. I was like, I could, okay, how long am I going to have this show? Because she's got so many areas that are interesting. And just that one area we could go so in depth into that just, and she's got a multitude of them. She's, she's done, uh, uh, like she said, she's got years and years and years of research into these different um, parts, you know, and, and whether you want to call them paranormal uh, or, you know, whatever the case might be, but however you want to uh, define it, identify it. And, you know, because, because, because once upon a time, a lot of these um, things, whether it was ghosts or biblical interpretations or UFOs or uh, everything was like kind of like way out there. One thing was totally had nothing to do with the other. Uh, it, uh, it's like everybody it had their own camp. And they, it was like worlds apart. And um, and now, you know, you're seeing more and more, like I said, you know, because I've said this before, the paranormal, the umbrella of the paranormal, a lot of things fit under there. It doesn't have to be what a lot of people think of as paranormal as in ghosts or things like this. There's a lot of um, things that fall under that umbrella, which are not the stereotypical uh, scary stuff. Uh, and... People are realizing, you know, and a lot of theories and research is being done, different sources, where there is, like, there's a cause and effect kind of thing between one thing and the other, even though at first glance it doesn't look like there is. Uh, And you come to realize, um, and even what she mentioned, we'll, we'll go into just what we were talking about, about conspiracies, conspiracies, and... Uh, and I'm not even talking about just government stuff. I'm talking about authorities. When I say authorities, whether it's um, 
the governments or whoever held the reins of power in a kingdom and a civilization, uh, even let's say within the Catholic Church, you know, if if you were part of that structure, which basically held knowledge, you know that saying, <laughs> very true, which is knowledge is power. Knowledge is power in a lot of different, from huge things to small things. You don't believe me and you don't think knowledge is power. Uh, try fixing a plumbing stuff when you're not a plumber. <laughs> you find out knowledge is power. Okay. Or being ignorant of something. And I'm talking about here like first person level. If you don't have the knowledge about something, you either got to pay somebody for that knowledge or you suffer because you realize ah, I don't have that knowledge and you, you know, you create a disaster. And then it goes upwards into, uh, you know, of course, more dramatic purposes, which is when, you know, you, you, you when knowledge, uh, whoever, whoever is the, the recipient or the, like, let's say, like she said, the Vatican, they're the ones that have all these ancient texts, uh, the real stuff. Okay. The, and if somehow or other, what is being, I guess, what the truth is, how's that? Doesn't dovetail, doesn't work with the version that that organization wants put out. They suppress it. They suppress it. And I think once upon a time when there was a higher degree of illiteracy and, of course, the things like that, um, it was easier to do. It was easier to do. But now in modern times where your populations are more literate, the Internet, uh, you know, people talk, discuss, compare, uh, theorize, it's, it's becoming more and more difficult. And the, when I say people, I mean people as in worldwide, overall. I'm not talking about, you know, whether it's the, a religious conspiracy or governmental or science or health. They're realizing, wow, we've been manipulated into thinking certain things that are just not accurate. They're not truthful. And a lot of times, you know, the, the reasons that are given out by these, uh, whoever the holders of the, of the information is, is that uh, either, either we're trying to protect you because they're false. We don't want you to uh, believe this version of uh, whatever because it's going to harm you. It's, it's, you're going to be misled. And a lot of people, what we were saying, like, let's say before, if a university said, uh, this is, this is the truth. This is the, uh, the true, whatever. Everybody said, oh, the university of blah, blah, the department in the university said, or this scientist or doctor so-and-so said, oh, that's it, man. Everybody shut up and sit down and be quiet. You know, and if you happen to be an academic, I'm going to use like an academic, or even a priest, Malachi Martin, he was the one that, he uh, left the Catholic Church, even though he, from what I understand, only uh, some, he was released from some of his, um, you know, his vows, you know, when you become a priest, you take certain vows, that they kind of like pull back because, in other words, they're outnumbered, they're outgunned. Uh, can you imagine you're a lone person and you've got the might of either a government or a church or a university? And let's say you, and by this I mean, I'm not saying you have to be a saint or a hero. You're just a normal human being that 
loves humanity and wants to see the truth or the best for people and you're finding information whatever it is your field that you realize well you know what this is what's being given to the people to the to 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 is harming them that's not truthful that's not accurate whether it's like i said medicine history whatever and you think okay well i think people should know about this and all of a sudden you are like you know like she said you could end up well once upon a time people were uh their 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 careers would be ruined uh, some of them ended up in asylum. Some of them mysteriously uh, committed suicide, even though they had never had suicidal ideations before. Uh, you were, your reputation, you know, once upon a time, especially if you were an academic uh, or even a theologian, your reputation was everything. And that thing followed you around forever and ever. So in other words, these people were under the threat that once you're, in, in other words, my point being like, nowadays with reality TV, it's almost like the more, more notorious you are. Oh, great, I'm getting attention. Once upon a time, your reputation was everything. In other words, you if you had anything, it was your name. And if your reputation or your name got sullied, uh, that was it. It would hound you. It would follow you and your family for ever and a day. That cloud would follow uh, you and even your kids uh, forever. So when people uh, would think about coming out against this, they they really had to think twice about it. And what we were talking about is that, you know, a lot of people could say, oh, you know, you're being paranoid when, you know, people talk about conspiracies and, blah, and this and that. And you know what? I, I agree. There's some stuff that's like, okay. I don't think that every little thing that the government or the church or or the whatever has done has been with the the or suppression of information has been with the act of uh, oh we're going to uh, 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 undermine humanity we're against not but there's a lot of times where it is it is and it, you know and it, it, it kind of is a little bit overwhelming when you think about it because you're like well man what am I gonna do I'm like but I think the tr it starts with the exposing of the truth and then letting people take it, analyze it, and make a decision how to, to because you know what, sometimes truths are ugly. Hello? But, and I've said this before, I would rather have the truth, ugly truth, whether it's historical or or stuff like that, and and look at it and analyze it and use it as in if it was a mistake or something that was done wrong i'm not going to do that again uh i'm not going to um either be a part of that or let this uh, uh you know repeat itself let's say historically or you know what, what she was saying you know when you know sometimes they've accused the government of experimenting with uh segments of the population unbeknownst to them Okay, that now, years later, when of course everybody, you know, that, that made the decision is long gone, uh, and people are saying, okay, you, I'd rather have the truth, as ugly as it may be, to say, okay, well, in the future, now that we know that this was done, we can never let it happen again. Because, you know, no human being should have the right to submit another human being against their knowledge 
for example, to scientific experimentation, uh, you know, or giving them drugs or, or, or spraying something or whatever. You can't. Okay. But it's like, let's not live in this la-la land where we want to suppress it and make believe it never happened or... Um, no, you know, and, and what, and, and by this I mean wherever it applies. You know, you know that thing. If a shoe fits, wear it. Whether it was a government, or whether it was a church, whether it was a group, whether uh, it was uh, even uh, local government. I mean, it doesn't have to be all the way up to the echelons of uh, the powers of you know the halls of power. It could be anything. Uh, I think that it it has to be dealt with. It has to be exposed, but and then and then this this is the really important part. Sometimes when these truths come out, people want to hammer it to death, and I that th there comes a point where it's acknowledged, it's ex it's exposed, it's analyzed. Uh, people interpret it correctly, and by this. Okay, very importantly, no slanting. Let's just look at it, the truth here. This is what it is. Let's not let's not point it or make it look this way because then we're back to square one. And we're going to learn from this so that we don't do it again, whatever the scenario was. And then, not we're obscuring it, but we're going to move beyond it. Okay? And by this, you don't hammer everybody up because, you know, it's like, no, we learned, we knew, but we're not going to let it happen again. And we're going to move beyond it and grow from it and learn from it. Okay, if it was a negative uh, thing that happened, maybe a year, something that happened once, something that happened systematically through years, uh, whatever the case might be, we're not going to, you know how I say so sometimes people are victimized by an event their whole lives. Well, you can victimize a swath of people over and over again if you don't move beyond it. You know, in other words, we're talking about the problem, the problem, the problem, the problem, what they did, they did, they did, they did. And nobody ever gets to the part of, let's make a solution out of this. Okay? If Even if the solution is not to do it again. Or this is what that this looks like. So, you know what? If we ever see this going in that direction, we're not going to let it progress. Because we don't want a repetition. But then we're going to move beyond it. And I think that that's how, as human beings, we grow from our mistakes. And and I've said it before, I'm a humanist, okay? I don't believe so much in transhumanism the way it is now, because I have a lot of grave doubts about it. But I believe in human beings. I believe in the goodness of human beings, despite a lot of the most horrible things that we are capable of doing. I believe that at our core, human beings are good and they're capable of great goodness and kindness even amidst bad things that we do and you know there's people that are worse than others and there's people that do things really horrible things by the way and it's almost like um you know how they say something is different in theory than in practice that when they see it or they look at it, they think I could do it. And then once they do it and they realize the cost to their soul, if you want to look at it or what it does to them, they they, they kind of like, I, this was not what I thought it was going to be. And they kind of like, it changes them. 
And I guess my point is that the same way that you could have a good person be corrupted and become bad, you can have a person that maybe was, for lack of a better word, be bad. And I'm going to use that word very broadly. And that person become good. And I'm going to make this because not because of fear of retribution, not because of fear of punishment. Okay. Because everybody thinks what she was saying, and this I disagree with her on, with uh, Dr. Joy, as far as from God or from anybody. You know, it, it's almost like this understanding that you have on a soul level that you go, that you understand this thing that I did or existing that way or the results of my actions damaged something inside of me, inside of my soul. You know, like when just something inside of you doesn't fit, like the happiness is not there and you could fake it, but that you recognize the error of your ways and you adjust your actions and the way you think and how you treat other people, other human beings. And you do it because something in your soul eases, something inside of you is happier, more content more in line with what you're truly are and you do it because of that not because you're scared i'm gonna go to hell or i'm gonna get punished no it's because something in you basically does this yeah i don't know how to explain it does something that you feel and and, and i think everybody you know and i'm not talking about this I'm i think everybody's ever in, in their lives have had that aha moment where something feels right, something feels good, something is like this is the way it should be. Everybody, and and, and, and this I'm not talking he, like in a on a how can I say like a, on a physical level, you know, not like you know you 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 take a you take a bite of great tasting food and you go, oh, man, that's really good. I'm talking about something that you have that aha moment on a really deep spiritual soul level that it just you feel, man. This is right. Just, by the way, the opposite when you something happens and you're like, oh my God, this is not right. You know, when people do things and somewhere deep down they say, man, this is not right. Like, or even, even when they're being encouraged either by society or peers, like, oh, do that, do that, do that. And then deep down inside they're like, mm, man, this is not right. Then this, the opposite is when you have the, it fits, it's right, it's good. My soul, everything about me soars. Uh, and I think that us as human beings have that ability to evolve from bad choices uh, spiritually or in action to that point of where you have a better understanding of what feels good inside of you. It's a, it's a work in progress, okay? Uh, and, 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 and I think that that's why we're meant to engage in life. It's messy, you know? We, we were presented sometimes with things that we have to do, and boy, we make huge mistakes. Like, what? you know, sometimes we do it on purpose. Sometimes we do it not realizing what we're doing. Sometimes we do things thinking it's bad, but not as bad as it turns out to be. Uh, and 
I personally think, and this is my opinion, that that is why we're here. We are here to make choices and to correct some of them and to come to terms sometimes with regrets because some things that you do cannot be undone. You can understand that they were wrong or that purposely or not purposely you made the wrong choice, but, but some things you cannot undo them. And I think it's in that process, if you, if, if you want to call it a soul learning thing, that at the end of it, whatever your lifespan is, uh, you, you deal with whatever fell in your lap, whatever the circumstances were of your life. And by the way, I understand that, that sometimes a lot of things are imposed on us that are outside of our control, whether it's the family you were born into, the circumstances you were born into, things that happened to you along the way that you basically didn't cause. They kind of like hit you on like a two by four on your head and you're like, huh? I understand that. But it's almost like this is the hand you were dealt. And what do you do with it? What is your story? And that you go through stages of, um, how can I say it, of... Uh, being mad, uh, uh, sad, uh, defiant, uh, that, that, you know, why me, uh, or, uh, like, you know, I'm getting picked on by fate, you know, it's, it's like, okay, feel it. It's, you know, if you need to go through these things, like a bridge to get you to the next stage with the problem is when you get stuck in one of these, you know, very negative feelings, that's when you got a problem on your hands, then so be it. You know, you know, I think a lot of people sometimes they they trick themselves into running around thinking, ha, 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 it's so beautiful. It's like, no, you know, you're, you're human beings. You're supposed to feel all these emotions. Otherwise, you wouldn't have them. And you deal with them. And you, you know, in other words, everybody's got their own thing going on. You know, everybody, like she said, people work out things different ways, you know, depending on your emotional makeup, uh, depending on how much of you of your self you know, you know that saying to thine own self be true. That, by the way, which is another thing, which is people sometimes either their expectations of themselves are either very high or very low, and they forget. They they, they in other words, if they're bad, they think they're always going to be bad. And they kind of like, like a self-fulfilling prophecy. They don't think they can ever get beyond either who, what they've been told about themselves or that they start believing about themselves or because their background or whatever is that or the other person who has such high expectations that they're in denial about feeling negative feelings or being tempted to doing negative things or lying to themselves like I said everywhere you go there you are instead of dealing with it deal with it deal with it look at it and say man that was a mm, I really mm, that up big time I really f that up big time you get mad at yourself get mad at yourself just don't stay there and say man never again I'm not gonna do this ever again and you try not to do it you might try you might end up doing it again in some and then you say Okay, we're not perfect, in other words, is my point. And it's that 
perfection of imperfection that I think sets us as human beings, our souls, um, in a in a, in a, in, a, in, a, in a in a category that sometimes we have a real hard time coming to terms with um, the uniqueness of being a human being. Okay, and by this, I'm not saying you know. People, you know, if you look at, you know, existence as an animal or if you want to look at extraterrestrials, you know, or, or something outside of a human being, because right now the only thing I know about is being a human being. That doesn't diminish one or the other. I'm talking about our uniqueness as human beings. This is what we're talking about. Okay. That we have something that comes with our self-awareness, our intelligence, our spirituality, our emotional makeup within the physical bodies that we have how does it all work for us you know like that jigsaw puzzle kind of thing and you you can't separate one from the other it just doesn't work i don't think it doesn't work well but that's my opinion we're so complicated but so simple at the same time it's like we can't make up our mind i'm very complex but i'm really simple which is like i just think everybody wants to be happy and when I mean happy, I don't mean like in, yes, because we, we there's just contentment and happiness. And that's the happiness. It's just we have these high points of happiness and then contentment. And I think that's what everybody wants. I think that's what all you human beings yearn for. And I think that that's a very simple desire. It's just how we're told or all the different ways that we're told that that's how we can be happy. And we kind of like to get distracted going, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, is that going to be how I'm going to be happy? Okay, 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 okay. Because we're all like in pursuit of it. And then we find out that's not what it is. And it's like, or it gets really convoluted and some people just give up on the whole idea of being happy and content. And it's really quite simple. Uh, as far as within the framework, we... Unfortunately, we make it complicated or it's made complicated for us. Of course, with sometimes it's because people want to make money. Like, oh, you'll be happy if you have this luxurious new car. <laughs> you know, you'll be able to attract a, a boyfriend, girlfriend. You know, you'll be admired. People, you will drive down the city street and people will turn and go, oh my. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I mean, you know, it's just a stupid example. But yes, we, we get hammered with all these different um messages telling us that this is how you're going to be happy don't get me wrong i've had a new car it's a great feeling it's fantastic but i'm saying as far as the true contentment and happiness that's long lasting that mm, fulfills you it it's simpler but more beyond than just having that whatever even in a person sometimes we get the same thing if you have you know, if you're, if you have this boyfriend or this girlfriend or this whatever, then, then you'll be happy. You know, that, that does not, doesn't work that way either. You have to find happiness within yourself and then it goes out from there. So anyway, guys, I hope you like the show. I really like the show. I, I love speaking to her. Like she said, I'm hoping that I'm going to bring her on and we'll try to zero in on all these fantastic things that she, um, discusses in all her books and like i said i'm gonna have a link to her website on the credits of the show and you guys if you're a podcast listener you'll know where to go i know she's books are also for sale on amazon and uh if you want to you know purchase them there and uh some of them they've been out for several years and she's updated them with new editions 
So again, guys, thank you so much for being part of my audience. Got a lot of fantastic guests coming on, and I never forget how wonderful you are for coming back every week and spending this time with me. Take care. For the ones going above and beyond. For the ones reaching out, helping out, and lending a hand. For the ones people count on. You can count on Granger. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry. Backed by 24-7 customer support and specialists to help with hard-to-find products. Because you've got everyone's back. We've got yours. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. For the ones going above and beyond. For the ones reaching out, helping out, and lending a hand. For the ones people count on. You can count on Granger. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry. Backed by 24-7 customer support and specialists to help with hard-to-find products. Because you've got everyone's back. We've got yours. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.